If you've ever had one of those moments where you've sent a text message and you suddenly realized you sent it to the wrong person, you know how terrifying that is in that moment? When you look down and, and your thumb hits the send button and you know it was wrong. And then you try and try to pull that send button back up and it doesn't work that way. And you don't know, you don't know if the person you accidentally sent it to, first of all, you know they shouldn't have gotten that message. But you don't know if they know how to take that message and you, you hope that they are going to be kind to you after they receive that message. And there's that realization that you, there's nothing you can do. You just have to wait and, and wait for their response and hope you can talk, talk your way out of that. Sometimes the results are, are life-changing with a message that was sent to the wrong person, though. In 2016, a lady named Wanda Dench sent a text message to her grandson, except it wasn't to her grandson. She wanted to make sure that he was going to be coming for Thanksgiving. But she had accidentally sent the, number to the, sent the message to the wrong number. She sent it to a young man named Jamal Hinton. And he, Jamal was a complete stranger. But after talking a little bit, Hinton said, you know, I'm not your grandson, but can I still get a plate for Thanksgiving? And Wanda responded and said, of course, that's what grandmas do, right? We feed everyone. And so for the last seven years, Jamal has been welcomed to, to Wanda's house. He's driven to Wanda's house every year for Thanksgiving. And it is not a mistake. It is a relationship. Jamal is treated like family. In 2020, when Wanda's husband passed away from COVID, Thanksgiving was scaled back. And yet Jamal was there at the table like family. It is, it is no accident that Wanda's phone number is now saved in Jamal's phone as Grandma Wanda. You know, if one little accident like that can spark a relationship, what happens when we start getting more intentional? What happens when we get more intentional with uh, the messages we send to each other? Not, not just text messages, of course, but the messages that we send and, and what we say in how we interact with others, how we react to the situations in our world, in, intentional with our invitations, invitations to lunch, invitations to, to visit, in, invitations to come to church, invitations into relationships. What happens when we get in, intentional about the way that we invite others to give thanks with us? And the challenge for me and I assume for you also, is going to be in what people actually hear from us. If all they're hearing is complaining, then we may accidentally invite them into our complaints, right? We might accidentally invite them to join us in complaining. But what if they hear us giving thanks? What if they hear gratitude? What if they hear thanksgiving coming from us? The question is, do other people hear us giving thanks? We're going to be again in... Psalm 118, again, if you want to follow along, it's page 100 or 511. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, you're going to find that. Uh, our notes, if you look up our zip code 61933, you should be able to find my sermon notes there, the, the Scripture references anyway. Psalm 118, as far as I'm concerned, 
This is it. This is the psalm of thanksgiving. This is the one. It, it's literally wrapped in thanks. If you notice the first verse, verse 1, and the last verse, verse 29, they're exactly the same. And what do those verses say? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And if you follow the structure of this song, the singer begins, he begins alone in this song of thanks. And as he begins, he, he recounts his struggles. He, he recounts the, the problems he's been through. And it's almost as if he's pondering God's presence. Has God really been with me through this? But then as you make your way through the song, the structure shifts and the second half, a chorus, joins in and sings with him because thanksgiving, thanksgiving is hard to keep to ourselves. When we give thanks, we invite other people to join us. The very nature of thanksgiving invites others, even strangers like Jamal and Wanda, and we all find our place at the table for thanksgiving. I want to continue on in verse 5. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Well, what can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. And I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. The singer has been troubled. And you can hear it in the words that he chooses. He, talks of, he sings of distress. He sings of needing a helper. He even sings that there are some, there are some who out and out just hate him. And the way he says it indicates that he's been going through this for a long time. He says, in my distress, I called out to the Lord. The NIV puts it this way. It says, in my anguish, I called out to the Lord. The Message Bible says, I was pushed to the wall and I called out to the Lord. That, that phrase, pushed to the wall, that word distress, it all comes from a word. Literally, it means I was in the narrow places. I was in the narrows. It is a very claustrophobic image of the walls closing in around him. Feeling that tightness all around. Being in that, that spot where you can't even get enough breath because the, the tightness of the place, it's constricting. Maybe you've been there physically. I've been in a few crawl spaces under houses from time to time and there's always that one place where the floor joist just isn't quite high enough and you have to let your breath out and wonder, am I going to make it through to the other side? Maybe you've been there physically. Maybe you've been there emotionally when a a panic attack comes on and suddenly you feel overwhelmed. That very real sense that there is no escape from this moment. Maybe you've even been there in a, in a relationship where it seems like the walls are closing in on you and you wonder if there's any escape. The singer says though, in that very place, that place, the narrows, that's where he called out to God. And, and I want you to hear that, that even in that distressing place, God was available to him. He was not alone. Verse seven, the Lord is on my side as my helper. It's, it's almost though like, it's almost like he has to try to convince himself at this point that the Lord was there. It's as though he's not quite sure yet. But he can be sure of what's ahead. He says, I shall look in triumph over those who hate me. I love the confidence of that verse. But I also love that he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay there in that spot and, and gloat. 
Instead, he makes it all about God's presence. If you go on down to verse 14, he says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are the tents of the righteous. It's easy for us to tell other people about our distress. It's easy to make it about our troubles, our distress, that confined place we're in where we have been pushed to the wall. That gets, that gets a lot of attention. That gets a lot of sympathy. But what about thankfulness? What about thanksgiving? Do other people hear us giving thanks? And what happens when we invite them to join, join us in our thanksgiving? When we choose to be thankful, when we choose gratitude, we choose to invite others not into our misery, but into God's victory for us all. See, that's, that's the gift of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving transforms community. In the first half of the song, the, the singer is alone. But by the time we get to verse 19, that's, that's begun to change. And it's it slowly at first... In verse 19, he asks to be let in. He asks that he can join others in giving thanks. Verses 19 and 20, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. This isn't a place to be alone in your misery. This isn't a place to be alone feeling crushed, but to come together to bring your offering of thanks to God alongside so many others. And the realization is that as we each give thanks to God for what He has done for us, our thanksgiving, our gratitude is, is multiplied. It, it explodes exponentially. It's interesting that the next few verses have been applied to Jesus over and over again. Verses 21-23, through 23, I thank You that You have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all quote that and they apply it to Jesus. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, he quotes that and he applies it to Jesus. Peter, in his first letter, he quotes that. And he applies to Jesus as the stone that the builders have rejected. But that stone has become the, the cornerstone of the building. The stone that pulls all the rest of the stones together, that holds them together, that brings unity. The stone that makes us His church. Not just your salvation, not just, not just your rescue, but all of us together. It makes us one. A community that gives thanks together. A community that says thank you together. I have a I have one of those watches that keeps track of all the steps I take every day. And some days, looking at the watch feels like a victory. And some days, it feels like I am a potato. And I just sit there. And what's even worse is that my watch will tell me how many steps my wife took. And she takes more steps than me. My watch will tell me how many steps and how much exercise Hannah Brimner got. And, and I can't compete with that. But I, I think about that because some days my watch just depresses me when I look at how many steps I've taken. What if, what if our watches kept track of how many times we said thank you in a day? 
You think you'd be happy with your watch? You think you'd be happy with your number? You know, I, I am acutely aware that people do not always treat servers in restaurants well. And so I have made it a point, I always say thank you. Even if the service hasn't been the greatest, I always say thank you. Uh, Nancy, carry on. Man, Nancy, I, was, I didn't think you were going to be with us today, so I was going to talk about you in the sermon. I have to change things just a little bit now. When Bill passed away, Nancy was sharing with me and, and the grandsons about how Bill had this practice of saying thank you to Nancy after every meal. That was humbling, I'm sure, at times. <laughs> uh, you know, B Bill would say thank you. And I know the, you know, Nancy's told me not all the meals were all that good, but he still had a practice of saying thank you. And when you told me that, I started saying thank you, you know? And sometimes when it's leftovers, you say thank you twice. And sometimes when it's uh, school lunch leftovers that somehow make it home, you're, you're saying thanks twice. My daughter Gracie's here. Gracie, Gracie has the kindest heart of anyone I've ever met. And I think, I think about the number of times every day that I hear, Gracie, I hear Gracie say thank you. It is part of her language. It is part of who she is. Uh, but I think about that. Do people hear us uh, saying thank you? Do people hear us with our thanksgiving? The singer began with complaints. And if we're not careful, we can get stuck there because, man, you can get a lot of attention with complaints. You can get a lot of people on Facebook riled up with you if you complain about the, the right things. And a lot of people will agree with you and they'll, they'll share your complaints and they will tell other people about your complaints. And he begins, the singer begins with complaints. And I got to tell you, they are legitimate complaints. People hated him. But at this point, others have joined in giving thanks with him. And it's amazing that here at this point, as the community is transformed by thanksgiving, it's at this point that Jesus shows up. And we see the cornerstone that the builders rejected. They probably complained about that cornerstone. But we see the cornerstone that the builders rejected. That stone that has joined us all together. That stone that, is, that has become the foundation of our lives and our relationships. You cannot help but see what He has done for us together, that He has brought salvation. And not only giving thanks, but it's a matter of welcoming others to give thanks with us. Thanksgiving transforms community. It changes us all. You see, it's gratitude. It's giving thanks that leads us out of that darkness, that confined place, and into a community that Jesus has built for us. And when we invite others into our thanksgiving, we invite them to see Jesus. When we invite others to, to give thanks with us, we are inviting them to see Jesus in their lives, in our lives, in our lives together. You know, we, we might be very well be, it might be that today you're in a place much like the singer at, at the beginning of this song, that you are alone in your distress, that you are feeling crushed in this moment, and you're not, you're not entirely sure that God is present. It's almost like you've got to convince yourself that God has actually shown up. But the singer, as the singer joins in with others, as they bring their thanks before God, you hear this confidence begin to swell in his song. Verse 24, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know that one, don't you? You sang that earlier. Well, you kind of sang it. Because if you notice, when we sang that song, the song actually says, 
I will rejoice and be glad in it. Even though you all sang it together, you were all singing about your own. We were all singing about our own little thanksgiving. The, the psalm invites us to do that together. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hear the verse in concerts. Let us rejoice and be glad. This is what makes all the difference. You see, it's from one person in their lone distress to a community giving thanks to a community rejoicing together from one person struggling to find hope to a community helping each other to see God even in those difficult moments by the way that we love each other, by the way that we serve each other, by the way we build ourselves together. Jesus, with Jesus as our cornerstone, we give thanks. When the singer found himself alone, he was distressed. When he found himself alone, he was in the narrows. He was in that claustrophobic place by himself, feeling crushed. But now that he's together, he, he cries out for salvation. Not just for himself, but for those that have joined him. Verse 25, save us, he says. Save us, we pray, O God. O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Give us success. I hear something of that change from being crushed, from being in that narrow place to, to pleading for, to God, give us success. Us, together. I hear something of the Apostle Paul there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-9, and 9, Paul says, we, we were afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We were perplexed, but not driven to despair. We were persecuted. There are those who hate me, the psalmist says. We were persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Because together we found Jesus. And we found Him in community. We have found family. We have found that each of us have a place at His table. You see, when you can bring, when you can bring others into your reason, for giving thanks, when you can include them and share your gratitude with them, it draws us all into the presence of Jesus. It lifts them all out of their own despair. When we invite others into our thanksgiving, we invite them to see Jesus. Verse 26, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless You from the house of the Lord. That verse ought to sound familiar also. It is also quoted in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is quoted as Jesus enters Jerusalem as they lay their palm branches down and their cloaks down. What we celebrate and remember as Palm Sunday. This psalm of thanksgiving, Psalm 118, was sung to welcome Jesus home. Thanksgiving does that. It welcomes family home. It, even those that just feel like family, like Wanda and Jamal. True thanksgiving does more though. It welcomes Jesus into our presence and into the lives of the people around us. People who feel crushed by the stress and the distress of this world. There are people in our community and I'm Sure, there are people in your circle of friends for whom every day that's the reality they live in. They live in the reality of that crushing pressure of distress that they feel. 
And the way that we love them can show them a new reality. A reality where God is present. Where despair is replaced with thanksgiving. I hope that's what they hear from us. We've got a world of things we can complain about. (laughs) But I hope they hear our thanksgiving. I hope that's our gift to them. Again, the psalm ends just as it began. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Someone you know needs to hear that. Someone you know needs to hear that because they don't think they can endure on their own anymore. They have been crushed again and again, and they don't think they can endure. They don't think they can endure one more heartache, one more disappointment, one more hurts. It is so easy to just complain. It is so easy just to tell everybody what's wrong in our world. Make sure that people hear what you're thankful for. Make sure you invite them into your thanksgiving. We come to the cup and the come to communion today. <coughs> and as I said last week, we call this we call this the Eucharist. Uh, we call it communion. We call it the Eucharist, which means which means the thanksgiving. It would be easy to complain. <laughs> but at this moment, we come to the table. We come to the table together. We come to share the blessings that we've known. We come to share not just, not just what God has done for you, but what He's done for us all. And it might be that, that you don't come with much thanksgiving today. <laughs> it might be that it's so much easier just to count the uh, count the things that have confined you, the things that have restricted you, the, the, the things that have kept you in despair this week. I pray that what you find in this moment as we come near to Jesus together, I pray you find that there is enough thanksgiving here to go around. There's enough reason to be thankful that we can all share that. We're going to pray here in a moment and we're going to sing and, and we'll take together. Would you pray with me? Father, just seems appropriate to say thank you to you. Uh, thank you for the gift that you've given us through your Son. Not just the salvation that we know as individuals, <clears throat> but that we have been escorted into a community. You have opened wide those gates and you have led us in to sing songs of thanks, to sing songs of praise, to sing songs of salvation. I uh, thank you for my friends as we take this together. And I pray, Lord, that as we, as we partake today, we partake with the realization that as we receive Christ for ourselves, in ourselves, it is He that we share with one another. And so I pray that we're able to invite one another into our reason to give thanks. Lord, bless this bread that reminds us of His body broken. Bless the cup that reminds us of His blood shed. And bless this body of believers that we might, that our lives might be testimonies of of the reasons why we have to give why we give thanks to you for the good things that you've blessed us with. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.